Chapter 13 Rebecca's heart was in her throat as she strode down the infirmary hall. Upon landing, she planned to go to bed and sleep for a week, but the healer said her husband was awake. He'd emerged from his coma just after Rebecca and Yamov had embarked on their trip. In their conspicuous absence, Glaison had been busy, very busy. She entered Yamov's laboratory. Glaison was nowhere to be seen. His wheelchair, bed, desk, sketches were all gone. Crossing the hall, she looked into two more chambers before she found him. Glaison looked thin and only vaguely human. His face was at once blissful and intent. He sat in a much modified wheeled chair. Mechanisms of artifice surrounded him. A body sun compressed his chest, helping him exhale. A bellows drove air through a tube that pierced his throat. Another tube induced a continual flow of serum into his blood. A metal halo lifted his chin away from his neck. The small power stones that ran these devices winked in array to one side. Votive candles for a martyr god. A crew of goblins circulated about the man, checking the various devices that sustained his life. Servitor automatons worked quietly among them. The goblins glanced up as Rebecca entered. Glaceon's eyes were piercing. Ah, Rebecca, he said quietly. His voice rasped away as he waited for the bellows to inflate his lungs again. You're back from your little... fling. Rebecca blushed, coming to kneel before her husband's chair. She drew the edge of her cloak over her mouth. I'm sorry, love. I tended you for two months in coma. It was killing me as surely as it was killing you. It wasn't killing... me, as you can see. I knew you were with me. When you were, I also knew when you'd gone, and where, and with whom. It was a mission for the council, Rebecca said. Yarmouth was establishing. I know what he was establishing, interrupted Glaison. His own private army throughout the empire. He's positioning himself to seize control. Seize control? Of what? Of the empire? One healer? Of the empire. Of the world. Of everything. Of... You. Rebecca's face hardened. Yamath hasn't made the slightest attempt to seize control of me. Don't you think it's strange I awakened just after he left? Once he wasn't around to dilute the serum or put sopaphorics in it, when it was just his toadies left caring for me? You're paranoid. And I have toadies of my own. Apprentices. Here in Halcyon. But also in the other capitals. Some are even elders now. And these goblins here? And in the rig? I'm still their master, as long as I have this. He lifted his hand, fingertips smudged with the stylus he clutched. I have my own army. First, these machines. My toadies built them. They are doing more, for me than any serum. They breathe for me. Hold me up. I'm designing one to pump my heart. But they can't stop the lesions. They can't keep your body from breaking apart. Your mind from breaking in two. Does it matter? I wake to find new plans I've designed. I'm shaking them out of my sleeve. Look at this. A mantis warrior. It's based on my old design, but with improved armaments. Razor mandibles. Scythe claws. Flex steel abdomen and stinger. And these incendiary antenna. The council's already offered 50. I've sent an apprentice to the capital guilds. The other city-states will be building them. Soon. I'll have my own army. The artificial unions know Yawmoth is... A charlatan. They'll build my warriors. They are based on a new Power Stone configuration. Power Stone configurations? Insect warriors? Look at you! Rebecca said, shaking her head in astonishment. You're turning yourself into a Power Stone configuration. An insect warrior. What else am I supposed to be? Nothing at all? 
Am I supposed to just placidly fall to pieces? I'm still the genius of Hausan. I'm still your husband. You can't just flame me on the refuse heap like you do all the others with this disease. I'm going to fight him, Rebecca. I'm going to fight him for you. I'm going to fight Yarmouth. And I'm going to fight death. And they're one and the same. Oh, Glaceon, you're not yourself. You're not seeing things as they are. I am. I've never been so sure of a thing. He reached out to stroke her hair, but she drew away from his scabrous touch. Angered, he said, I'm the only one who sees. I'm the only one who's ever seen. She stood and turned toward the door. Yes, my love. You're the only one. He's diluting it, Gixon insisted, looking around the candlelit table in a deep chamber of the caves. In the months since Yawath's return, Gix had considerably deteriorated. Beneath the white scarf that wrapped his head and mouth, Legion split his skin open. He felt his face might simply slough off. His hands were no better. As his skin deteriorated, his will grew stronger. He spent 12 hours a day caring for patients in the quarantine and three more lobbying the untouchables in the upper caves. They allowed him in their midst only wrapped like this, with promises he would touch no one. Even so, they were beginning to listen. Yamoth is diluting the serum. It no longer halts the disease. The healthier ones grow worse. The rest die. Eyes around the candle flame were sullen and withdrawn. He's exterminating us. Don't you see? A pillow-faced woman spoke for the others. He is liberating us, not exterminating us. It's been months since he allowed any more folk out of the cave. Still, every day, another 10 or 15 exiles reach the quarantine. It's been 1,023 patients since the last untouchable was allowed to ascend. Untouchable is no longer an acceptable word, the woman corrected primly, pulling her ragged clothes up around her. Yalboth himself has outlawed it. None of us are untouchable anymore. All of us are. Don't you see? He's taken from the caves everyone he can use, everyone he can command and hold and thrall. The rest of you, he'll leave to rot with us. A nervous chill circulated among the folk huddled there around the table. The woman spoke again. It is dangerous to talk like this. It is dangerous not to, Gix insisted. He will kill all of us. At last, another voice spoke up, this belonging to a young man in a shadowed hood. What do you want us to do? Rebel. I want us to rebel. What about the guards? The young man asked. I know a thousand ways around the guards. I could lead you up into the city. You could lead us up? The woman echoed, suddenly interested. You could smuggle us into Halcyon? Yes. And once there, we'll raid the infirmary. Take Yawmoth and Glaceon hostage. We'll demand serum. We'll demand the release of every healthy person in the caves. You could lead us into the city, the woman said. Could you find us shelter? Could you find us a place to hide until we get jobs, get a place to live? No, Gix interrupted. I'm talking about a revolution, the young man said. And we're talking about living? We're talking about escaping the caves? If Yama won't lead us to freedom, why won't you? We don't want to kill and die. We want to live. Better to live in atrocity than to die in glory. Won't you save us? Heaving a sigh within bandages, Gick said, Yes. Yes, I will. They've been pouring out of the gutters like rats, declared Eldest Jameth of Halcyon, a stately woman in red silk, 
she wore her office like a diadem. From her raised podium, she addressed the council. How do we know which are legitimate? It used to be albinism was sufficient cause for arrest. Now we have untouched... Excuse me. What is the preferred term? Now we have the damned in our midst. Your liberation program is running aground, Yamoth. As you know, madam, replied Yamoth, the liberation program has been suspended for four months. Those who were elevated carry papers, have homes, and work to better the city. The others can be rounded up. Provide me the personnel and funding, and I will. A discontented growl moved through the gathering. These incursions are the result of diluted serum, Yamoth continued. My budget doesn't allow full-strength serum for every patient in the caves. The precious metal components are expensive. If refugees can climb to the city, so can riders. They will climb, unless I get the funding for full-strength serum. The growl became an uneasy moan. Even then, the riots may come. We all remember what happened last time. It will be much worse. The plague will run the streets. Last time, I turned them back with an ill-equipped band of thirty healers. This time, I'll need the newly trained Halcite Guard in combat. I make a motion. In the event of a riot, I'd be given command of the Guard. Let me understand this, the eldest of Halcyon said. You want more personnel and more money to advert another riot and control of the Halcite Guard. Should there be another riot? Or, if you like, I can relocate my efforts to Losanon, where the plague also worsens every day. These are the conditions which I will fight this plague for you. If you are unwilling to provide me these few provisions, you better find someone else. Eldest James' continence had paled so much, she seemed one of the damned. It is right that this vote be taken among Halcyon's elders only, lest our friends from the other city-states vote down the measure in order to lure Yawmoth away. As leader of the Halcyon elders, I claim the right to cast the city's vote. I approve these allocations of personnel and money. Any Halcyte who opposes, speak. The council hall was utterly silent. Twenty-six times in the last months, Gix had led healthy refugees up from the cave. Over 120 folk had escaped because of him. The route was proven a natural, star-shaped chimney that never intersected the manor rig. It first emerged in an unused drywall on the edge of the Halcyte sewer system. From there, Gix conducted each party past flushing dunguses to various storm grates. At the darkest corner of night, he led them to whatever stable or shed would give them a night's rest. This time was different. It was Gix's 27th trip, thrice the evil number 9. His gut told him death waited above. Gix pierced through a grate in the shadowed alley. Wooden pickets leaned like a crooked teeth toward the lane. The way was narrow enough not to admit vehicles. It was dark enough to forbid casual traffic. A rainwater cistern, Along one edge of the road, provided ample water for drinking and bathing. A granary nearby had plenty of abandoned mills and machine sheds where refugees could hide. This had been the fallback site, the best location in the worst situation. I don't think you should go, Gix whispered to the five souls huddled in the darkness behind him. Something's not right. What is it? asked one of them. Is someone there? Something's not right. I don't know what it is. Then take us to another place. No, this is the best place. It's not the place, it's the night. Something's different. It's too still. There came an incredulous silence. So, you want us to sit here until tomorrow? Or come back down with me? Down? 
We didn't climb for five hours of a volcanic vent just to go back up. Gick shook his head. I just have the sense that if you go through the grate, any grate tonight, you will die. I'd rather be trying to escape than go back down. The young speaker pushed past Gick's, clambered up the rubble-strewn edge of the culvert, and shoved open one of the grate. He clambered out from beneath it. Hissing in fierce laughter, he said, Come on, the rest of you, come out. Breathe the air of freedom. Another followed, then the third, fourth, and fifth. Gix held open the grate. They were just a mob of black shadows cast against the leaning pickets. They crouched beneath the night sky as though they still lurked in sewers, but there was a manic joy in their hunched shoulders. Their feet were quick on the cobbles. Gix stared out at them. Good luck to you. He lowered the grate over the culvert. All five suddenly were dead. It was as quick as that. There were five quick flashes of dagger light and the unmistakable smell of blood spraying. The manic shadows fell in wet mounds on the alley stones. Behind those daggers came men and women. They were not house guards, but a different brand of warrior. Sleek. Silent. Lethal. There was nothing of pomp and bluster in their work they did. Only efficiency. This one isn't him, one of the killers reported, dropping the head of a dead woman. This one isn't either, another said. None of these have thysis, came the voice of a third. Are you sure their leader does? Yes, responded a shadowy figure in their midst. Yamoth, just as sure as I'm the one lurking still in the sewer. Shall we go down after him? No, you will not catch him. Besides, he is useful to me. Predictable. He'll lead war refugees up here. We'll capture each batch. The council will grant us more soldiers, more funding. Yamoth said grimly. No. He is useful to me alive. These five are useful dead. The first fruits of the new campaign. The council will be pleased. Gix heard it all, fetched up breathless beneath the grate. He feared to move, lest the patter of water betray him. He remained as the assassins hauled away the dead. Only after they were gone did he realize that the trickle that fell on his back was not rain, but blood.